Hey guys, welcome to the Who's Up Next podcast, the Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast, where we have less stats and more heart. I'm your host, Kevin G, and once again, I am here with the guru of fantasy football, Jay Smith. Jay, how you doing today, man? What up, Kevin? How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. It was, it was a good first week of football. I'm really excited about it from this past weekend. We had some really good matchups yesterday. Monday night's games were fantastic. They were exciting. Thursday was a dud, but this weekend we had a lot of standouts, a lot of good fun, a lot of great, impressive players. What did you think of this slate of games? I, I listen. Anytime football's back on, it's great. It it makes life a lot a lot better when we got fantasy football, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, it was fun to watch all the games Thursday. I think, like you said, was kind of a letdown for people. Uh, wasn't a real exciting way to start off the football season or the fantasy football season. Uh, but by Sunday, um, it was a roller coaster. I mean, watching the games, watching who was scoring, watching who wasn't scoring. Um, yeah, it was up and down and all around. If you had some certain guys, you you did really well. And if you had some certain guys, you you didn't you do, do so well. well yeah. you know? That's I won't true. tell you how my weekend went, but we'll just keep going. I'll tell you how mine's went, man. I had t- I'm in 10 leagues. I went 8-2. and two, So I had a fantastic weekend to start off this fantasy season. With that being said, let's talk about some of the big stories from this week in terms of guys and fantasy. One of the guys that I had in multiple leagues and I'm excited about is my guy, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson threw for five touchdowns. He did. I believe I said he threw for five touchdowns. Yeah, I know. No rushing touchdowns. No rushing. Lamar, huh? I think he only ran like three times. Man, I guess he can throw. Yeah. They, that's what they were. I think with Harbaugh was saying when he was saying that he was expecting um, Lamar to break the rushing record. I think it was a smoke screen. I think it was a let us know that he's going to be throwing the ball. And he had a talented young core to be throwing the ball to, which is what we're going to really be talking about because Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, Mark Andrews, those guys were able to get open and get in space. Yes, they were playing the Dolphins. If you're in an IDP league, drop all the Dolphins players you have. Sorry, Miami. Because they're, they're no good. They're not good. They're not good. They're not good. They're not Maybe a couple wide good. receivers, but that's it. Yeah. So I would drop them if you're in IDP league, drop those guys. But the Ravens were able to run all over them. And then on top of that, you had guys like Mark Ingram able to snip out the end zone and help establish the run. I don't expect this all the time from Baltimore, but some of these guys are guys that we're definitely going to be looking at in the future. Well, I think if you look at the Baltimore uh, Ravens offense and what you saw on Sunday, um, they're just showing you that they are going to be diverse. I mean, they were they were so kind of tabooed as just only being able to run last year. Um, but you add weapons like Boykins and Hollywood Brown and another year with Mark Andrews. You bring in Mark Ingram, you draft Justice Hill, you still have Gus Edwards. You got a great offensive line. Listen, if you try to stack the box against the run, they're going to throw. And if you try to drop back into coverage against the pass, they're going to run. And I, I, you can't expect these stats every week, but Baltimore's really good. And coming from a, a diehard Steeler fan, that's hard to say. But the, you just look at what they're doing on the field. Even though it is the Dolphins, um, you still have to score points. You still have to make plays. I mean, if you look at Lamar Jackson's throws, I mean, they were falling in a bucket. I mean, nobody had to reach for him. They were just right there on the money. You make those kind of throws, even against better defenses, you're still going to score points because it's, you're putting the ball in a place where only your guy can catch it. It's perfect. True. Um, and then they ran the ball. I mean, Mark Ingram, 
he got plenty on on Sunday. I mean, he gets the two touchdowns over 100 yards. Um, I don't think they overused him. They they played Edwards. They played Justice Hill. Both those guys were somewhat productive. Um, but I think moving forward, I, I, they're going to be a hard team to beat, and Hell, their defense an, is good. And there so, was an RG3 sighting that day, too. There was an RG3 sighting I didn't even know day. he was on a team, but it was funny because I was watching Robert Griffin III come out there when I was watching the Baltimore game, and I thought about the fact that he's very similar to L- Lamar Jackson, so they don't lose anything by going to their backup uh, quarterback because he's the same type of guy. He's obviously probably a little slower, but he's the same type of guy. Going on. Know who had a very bad day though? Baker. Baker Mayfield. Oof. That Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. They were they were doing some more of that old Cleveland stuff. Baker threw I think three picks, four picks. Yeah, I mean they they found a way to still be the Cleveland Browns. Amazingly enough. Yeah. Um, tough start for the Browns. I mean I know a lot of people are high on them this year. A lot of people are high on their fantasy offense this year. Certainly not to start. Um that you wanted to see. I heard a lot of guys around uh, on different radio shows and stuff talking about how this wasn't as easy of a win as it appeared. And it certainly didn't work out that way. I mean, if you watch Tennessee in the preseason, Marcus Mariota looked like he couldn't do anything. They couldn't get anything going on offense, couldn't stop anybody on defense. And then they come into Cleveland week one and just smack him right in the mouth. Um, Cleveland was in the game into the third quarter. It's, I mean, I think the final score is a little bit deceiving because Cleveland was within it was what 15-13 in the third quarter that they still had a chance to win the game but you make mistakes and I mean I I look at the Browns and I feel like they just tried too hard they came out it was at home all the hype I think it got to them a little bit I think they put too much pressure on themselves Um, I think that's why you saw some of the frustration penalties that they had you know Greg Robinson gets kicked out of the game for kicking a guy in the head um, it's just stuff like that. I mean, I think that they just got frustrated because they had so much pressure on themselves. Um, Cleveland will be better, um, but they certainly didn't help anybody in week one. It didn't help me with my, with OBJ. It didn't, didn't look great for Jarvis Landry. It didn't look great for Nick, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb got vultured for a touchdown. So if you have like Nick Chubb, I, that's something you hate to see. I'll tell you, I hope my daughter didn't pick up any new words over the weekend while I was watching that Cleveland game and, and you get down there first and goal and, uh, you look up and it's 25 instead of 24, mm-hmm. you know, and it, oh, that's such a killer early on, especially in the first quarter, you know, it just sets the pace. If you get, if Nick Chubb gets that carry from one yard out, um, it, it's just off to a different start, yep. you, you know, and, and by the end of it, you're looking at his day going, well, he had almost 80 yards and then he scores a touchdown, you know, it just changes your whole outlook. Um, why Dontrell Hilliard got that touchdown, who knows? And just I, I just feel like from being a Steeler fan all these years, it's just there you go, Cleveland being Cleveland again. Yep. And then the tough part is with Baker throwing those picks late because they were pressed and trying to get to make something happen. Those picks, all it does is bring down his value for guys that were starting him in their leagues. So Baker, I mean, it wasn't a great day for him. It wasn't a great day for that offense. Another guy it was not a great day for was our guy, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray looked almost putrid in the first three quarters of that game he had four passes bagged down which is not great because when people saying he's not very big lineman jumping up and knocking his passes down doesn't help anything christian kirk had a couple passes he could have brought in that he didn't larry fitzgerald still looked great as larry fitzgerald but larry fitzgerald is almost 40 he's old he's been out there for a minute kyler not really being able to get things going didn't help, didn't do any favors for David Johnson either. There's a lot of guys that were hurting because Kyler was not looking great against that Lions defense. 
And I don't think the Lions defenses are like world beaters. No, they're not. But they're they're not a bad defense. No. I mean, you know, it's first game. You know, it's 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 a lot of pressure. You know, the whole world's watching you. Um, and I think for some of these guys that are are really good athletes and guys that have proven that they can do it, um, whether it be at the college level or even the NFL level, you know, when you're in the number one pick, you come in with all this added pressure. And I think he put a lot of pressure on himself, just just as much as the Cleveland Browns did. They just tried too hard. And I think where this thing kind of twisted with the Browns and, and how Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray got better in the second half and Cleveland got worse. I think that's where the difference is. By the end of the game, Kyler Murray looks like, okay, now we're starting to see some of the things that people were so high on him about. Um, so, uh, yeah, it wasn't a great first week for Kyler Murray. I think it certainly could have been worse, but I, I'm, not, I'm not down on Kyler Murray yet. I still got to wait and see on Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, we could wait to see. He's a good stash, especially in Dynasty Leagues, but I, it's not something, if you were thinking about Kyler starting Kyler this coming week, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it for a little while. He needs to prove himself. Like I said, he was looking a little small, but beyond that, he was missing dudes that are open. He was making questionable decisions, playmaking-wise. So I'm not really sure how I feel about Kyler. Well, I'm, I do know how I feel about him. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan and didn't like what I saw, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, with there being 32 quarterbacks out there, I'm going to probably start somebody else if I was you. But talking about Kyler. We want to talk about some of the young guns that we That's have. That's what we're here for. We're here to talk. We're here at the Who's Up Next podcast. We're talking about the young guys, the guys that are going to help your dynasty league. There's a lot of, there's a lot of very good young rookie, first year, second year, third year talent out there. Let's talk about uh, one of the guys that really, really stood out for me because of the amount of targets he had, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, big kid, fast kid. Um, had kind of the stigmatism of being injury prone and he was a little bit injured, you know, through the preseason, he had the thing with the knee. Um, but he's in a situation where in Seattle, if you're on the field and if you're going to be the number two receiver opposite Tyler Lockett, who manages to get what, two or three targets this week, Tyler yeah, Lockett. That was it. Um, I mean, right now you got to look at DK Metcalf and you got to, you got to think that he's in a situation where he can help you. If he's going to see 10 targets a game, um, that's definitely a situation where you can, you can put him in your lineup and trust him. Um, and with these young guys, I think that's what you have to pay attention to the most is are they getting playing time and are they getting targets? You know, we're going to talk about Hollywood Brown here in a little bit and his numbers were tremendous this week, but he didn't see a whole lot of snaps. He was only on the field for 15 snaps. Now he made the most of those. I, I tend to try to look at the young guys that are going to be on the field and going to see opportunity. DK Metcalf is one of those guys. He's going to be on the field. He's going to be playing. Um, he's going to be the number two wide receiver. You, he's a guy that you want to get on your get in your lineup or get on your team if he's still sitting on your waiver wire for some reason. Um, this is a guy that you pick up now, and hopefully by midseason you've got a top fifteen wide receiver. DK Metcalf had five had six targets this past week. I thought that they were going to be looking at Tyler Lockett a lot, Russell Wilson, but DK looked like a man. Look like a man out there. And that was really, really impressive. Another guy that you mentioned, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. Man, oh, man. Made the most of his opportunities, mm -hmm. huh? Yeah, five targets. Had two touchdowns, though. 147 yards. He was just getting open. He was just wide open. If you look at any highlights on SportsCenter or if you go over to the uh, NFL Network, you will see that that dude was just in space. And I think this is a difference with, with Lamar Jackson this year, too. I mean, I, people want to look at last year and say, well, he cannot throw the football. 
they didn't have weapons last year on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Willie Sneed caught a touchdown this week, but Willie Sneed is a serviceable wide receiver three. He is not a wide receiver one. And the guys that they had last year, nobody could stretch the field. Nobody could create space by themselves. And now you look at this year and you've got Hollywood Brown. You've got Boykins. You've got Andrews. Um, they're just a more well-rounded team. They've got guys that can stretch the field, guys that can get open. And you saw it firsthand. Hollywood Brown can get behind people. And if Lamar Jackson can keep throwing him the ball, um, it makes it awfully hard to stack the box against the run. Yeah, Mark Andrews is another dude. Mark Andrews had eight catches. He had eight catches Mark, for 100 Mark yards. Andrews my boy. I've been high on him no. forever. I, listen, he, the kid almost – he looks like Travis Kelsey a little bit. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. weird. He plays like Kelsey. He's a big kid that gets open. He catches the football. Um, and, and just at the end of last year, I think you could kind of see where Lamar Jackson just feels comfortable with him. I mean, when Mark Andrews is on the field, he is definitely a Lamar Jackson's uh, security blanket. And so going forward, um, man, if Mark Andrews is on your waiver wire, snag him up. Um, he's a young guy. Put him in your lineup. Uh, he's your tight end one, yeah, and I don't a, think that changes. He's a young guy that's going to have a lot of opportunities. I mean, like I said, he had eight, he had eight catches on eight targets. With that being the case, like we talked about, targets is what matter. How many times are they going to a guy? And Mark Andrews seems to be his safety valve, especially he's a red zone target. He's someone that he really wants to wants to go after. So as we talked about Lamar earlier. And how good of a day he had. These guys around him, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, they're really the guys that you're going to be looking at. And I think even still Miles Boykin. Um, I know he caught the one touchdown. Um, I'm super high on Miles Boykin. He's a big kid. He's fast. He tested through the roof at the combine, had one of the highest sparks in the entire combine. Um, he's a smart kid. He went to Notre Dame. This kid, I'm telling you, give it a few weeks and you're going to start to see Miles Boykin. They're going to start to shift a little bit. Teams are going to start looking at Hollywood Brown. And they're going to say, okay, we cannot let him get deep. So I look in the next couple of weeks to really start seeing more of Miles Boykin. And you're going to see that this kid can make plays too. This is a good team. And then it's a good young team. They're not going anywhere for a while. Um, it's going to be hard. I'm a Steeler fan, and they're going to be a hard out this year. We, we talked about some of the guys over there in Baltimore. I want to talk about some of the running backs that had a good weekend. Miles Sanders, him being able to do that with Carson Wentz with Deshaun Jackson, with Alshon Jeffrey. Zach Ertz, Goiter. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got, a, they've got a good offense, too. Um, he, he definitely he showed some flashes. Um, I wouldn't say that his performance was through the ceiling by any means, but once again, the whole idea of what we do here is we talk about these young guys that you need to be keeping an eye on. If you don't have a guy like Miles Sanders on your Dynasty League team, if you can go out and get him, go out and get him. Um, the young running backs always have the most shelf life. I will always opt toward a young guy over a David Johnson type guy just because I look at David Johnson and I think there's only a couple good years left for him, whereas Sanders has got his whole career in front of him. True, true. Another good young guy that looked really good, even though the offense didn't look great, was Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary, he was pretty much the number one guy out there. Frank Gore was basically backing him up. He ran for 70 yards, had some catches too. A lot of that had to do with scheme because the Bills were down early because the Jets' defense was playing lights out to begin the game and then they went away. But Singletary was out there and able to to be the guy. Them cutting LaShawn McCoy showed us that, that Devin Singletary was going to be someone that they really believed in. 
Well, it showed belief in him for sure. I mean, it, if when you look at what the Bills did, they get rid of McCoy. Um, it tells you how much they like Singletary. Um, they didn't overplay him in the preseason because when a team really likes a guy, they don't overplay him in the preseason. Um, they don't risk getting him hurt, just like the Bears didn't play Montgomery the last two games of the preseason. Singletary, though, he only had four. He only had four carries, but he makes the most out of them with seventy yards. Um, you know, which tells me that you know he's got explosiveness. He can he can make plays. But the five, you know, the six targets and the five receptions for 28 yards, it just shows that he can be on the field, whether it's a running play or whether it's a passing play. And so to me, that's going to only up his volume. Um, he's a guy that definitely, if you, if you can snag him up in a dynasty format right now, you're, st- you're snagging him up for sure. You want to hang on to him. Um, I think he, I feel comfortable. You can put him in your lineup. I think that going forward, he's just going to continue to see more touches. Um, and let's be honest, how many explosive players do the Bills have on their offense? You know, John Brown had a good game, but Cole Beasley is not explosive. Um, I don't think that Zay Jones is explosive. Zay Jones hasn't really proven anything. He didn't do anything in this game. Um, so you got to look at it from that, from that perspective, too, is he's probably the most explosive guy on their offense. If they have any smarts at all, they're going to find a way to get him the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Another explosive guy that I do want to talk about before we get back into – I really want to talk about Thursday. But before we get to that – I so want to talk I, about Kevin, so do I. I want to talk about another guy though, Miko Hardman. Miko Hardman, yeah, absolutely. Miko Hardman, you have to like what you're seeing now with his situation. Tyreek Hill getting hurt, he's probably going to be out multiple weeks. Um, Miko Hardman steps right into that role of Tyreek Hill, which he'll go to the outside now, I believe. Um, and and he's got the speed to get by people. Listen, if Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and you're on the field, we're interested in you. I don't think there's any other way to say that. Also, the fact that he's a young guy, he's a rookie. So this is a guy right here that if in, in all formats, not just dynasty formats, but I would be rostering this guy in every league if I could get my hands on him. Um, if you already have him in a dynasty format, kudos to you. Um, I think he's somebody that's going to pay off here for the next few weeks. Um, you're going to see at least one or two plays in the upcoming weeks, kind of like what we saw with Hollywood Brown this week where he just is fast enough. I mean, the guy's a 4-3 guy. He's going to get behind the defense, and Mahomes is going to hit him. And so, you know, have this guy in your lineup the next couple of weeks. I think that he can really be kind of a sleeper if you put him in at the flex position. Or if you're thin at wide receiver and you need to get a guy in there, you could do a lot worse than Miko Hardman. He didn't have a very impressive first game, but his time's coming, and he's going to put up some numbers in the next couple of weeks. Well, especially with the fact that Sammy Watkins had such a huge day. There's no way. Okay, I've been watching Sammy Watkins for forever he was in buffalo he was terrible uh, i believe he, he, played, he played for the rams he did play for the rams not for a great year or two yeah not great no he has done nothing to impress me sammy watkins hasn't this and, week and to be honest he hasn't been great in kansas city he had a couple good games at the end of last year yep. in the playoffs but not he's never looked like a wide receiver one right but he exploded this weekend which is great that's great and all congratulations but tyreek hill being out now they're just going to focus on Sammy Watkins. You can't have like a day like that and expect people to be like, oh, okay, he's okay. We're, we're you can't expect him. that kind of production out of him every week. I, I think that that's kind of the theme with some of these guys um, in general is there were a lot of big plays in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, guys we're going to talk about in a little bit, John Ross. Um, but even looking at Sammy Watkins and looking at Hollywood Brown, you know, these guys had two, Sammy Watkins had two breakaway touchdowns. And the same thing can be said for Hollywood Brown. You know, he had two break. You're not going to get behind the coverage and catch 70-yard touchdowns every week. So, but with Sammy Watkins out there and going to be going to be uh, looked at, 
that leaves Nicole Hartman on the other side able to explode and be able to have that that good game that you didn't expect. I agree with you 100%. We talked about this a little bit before the show is guys that can handle double coverage. Yeah. Um, Sammy Watkins, to me, has never proven that he can get open when being double covered like a Odell Beckham, like an Antonio Brown. DeAndre um, Hopkins. Like a DeAndre Hopkins. You can put five guys on DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to get open. Um, I don't think Sammy Watkins can do that. Um, we're going to talk about another guy in a little bit that I also don't think can do that. But what can be benefited from that is who's on the other side of the ball away from them. If if Sammy Watkins is, is taking the double coverage, who's on the other side? And that's going to be Miko Hardman, um, especially with Travis Kelsey, too. You know, between Watkins and Kelsey, those are the two guys that defenses are going to be focusing on the most. And Hardman's got the speed, kind of like a Hollywood Brown, where he can just get deep and make plays. So I'm looking at a guy like Hardman as going forward. I think that in the next two or three weeks, you're going to see him put up some points. So get him on your team, get him in your lineup. Another guy that I like that was young, DJ Shark. DJ Shark, huge game for the Jaguars. Um, They're going to be down a lot. They they are going to be down a lot. They're going to be passing a lot. I, I when I look at the Jaguars situation, it's it's kind of wait and see for a couple reasons. Number one, Gardner Minshew, he looked fantastic coming into the game for Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles goes down with the broken collarbone. This kid comes in out of Washington State. He ran Leach's offense at Washington State, which is a, a complex offense. He comes in and just looks unbelievable. He's 22 of 25 um, and threw for 278 yards. But Chark had a huge game, you know, the 140, 48 yards and a touchdown. Um, he's a young, talented kid. He came out of LSU. He's got the size and speed. He's 6'4", 200 pounds, runs in the four threes, uh, can jump. He, last year, he only had 17 receptions for the entire season. They didn't really play him much last year. Um, but then now you look at this year, and he's clearly, once again, at the wide receiver position, who's, he's the, one of the talented guys on their team. I mean, everybody looks at Westbrook, but Westbrook is more of a – I would call him a possession slot receiver where Chark could be a number one guy. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the playmaking ability. Um, listen, they're, they're going to look at the tapes this week, just like everybody else is going to look at the tapes and go, how do we get this guy the ball? Because yeah. he's probably the most talented guy, maybe outside of Leonard Fournette on their offense. Well, Gardner Minshew, I, I didn't think that he did a terrible job coming in in the situation that he had to. He wasn't expected to be the starter, obviously. They went out and paid big money for Nick Foles. But they drafted him. He was a six-round draft pick. He did okay when he was out there. I was very impressed with what I saw from him. Having Gardner Minshew and another young guy in Shark, maybe the Jags will be able to do a little something with that offense. Well, they've got a great defense, and that helps. Um, that, that helps a lot. I think that if, if, if they can run the ball and this kid can get the ball where it's supposed to be, I mean – we got to see another week out of Minshew just to see if he can maintain this over a couple weeks, couple weeks span. Um, it wasn't just a flash in the pan or mm-hmm. can he come out and actually run their offense? You know, I don't think he's going to be a world beater, but if he can be efficient, um, we've seen in, in past fantasy years where, you know, guys on a, on a team with a quarterback that can just be efficient, they can also score fantasy points. And I look at Chark as one of those types of guys where if, if this kid just, can you know he doesn't have to be great if he can just be above average and get the guys the ball like Chark like uh, Didi Westbrook they can still do some things I agree I agree let's get to talking about those guys those young guns from Thursday though okay we had 
David Montgomery, who did not look, he looked good in his flashes, but he only had flashes because they didn't actually run him all that much. Also, Anthony Miller, what was he out there? Is he in Wipro? What happened to him? He, he warmed up. He warmed up. He stretched before the game. Okay. Yeah, he warmed you did up. See him out there? Yeah, I, I, I did see him out there. Listen, I'm going to start off on a bit of a rant because that game was probably the most disappointing game of the well. Pittsburgh, New England, we'll get into that. But um, that game was probably the most disappointing game of the weekend for me. And the problem I have with that game and the problem I have with the Chicago Bears and the problem I have with Matt Nagy is get your head out of your you-know-what. What are you doing? You're playing guys like Mike Davis, who we've seen Mike Davis over his career in Seattle and other places he's been. This kid's not an RB1, okay? You're playing Taylor Gabriel. Now, Taylor Gabriel made some plays, okay, but – Taylor Gabriel is nothing more than a wide receiver, three or four, a slot guy. So what are you doing? You're taking your most talented young guys that you have on your team and you're not playing them. I don't understand it at all. I mean, why David Montgomery didn't see 15 carries in this game is beyond me. It's not like the, it's not like the Bears were getting blowed out. You know, I, I mean, listen, it was a one-score game at the end. I just don't understand why they didn't play these guys. You sat in the last two games of preseason. You wanted to keep him healthy, and then you barely use him at all in the game. And if you're not going to play your most talented guys, then you're going to continue to be the Chicago Bears, you know? And people want to say, well, why did Trubisky struggle? Well, why did Trubisky struggle? They didn't run the football at all effectively. You didn't get the most talented guy you have on your offense. And yes, David Montgomery is the most talented guy the Bears have on their offense. You did not get this guy involved and get him into the game at all. Anthony Miller sees no targets in this game. Tariq Cohen I mean, had it, no carries. It's unbelievable how bad the Bears' offense was. And I don't think it – listen – Put the guys in the lineup that are the best players. I, do you want to win football games, or are you just trying to be the Chicago Bears for another year? Like it, clearly, I'm upset about it. I had Montgomery in a lot of leagues, and I, when he was on the field, like Kevin said, he showed some flashes. He had the nice catch. I, I'm I'm baffled by that game. If you're a David Montgomery owner, don't lose sleep over this. Put him right back in your lineup next week. They're going to watch the tape this week, and they're going to realize that they screwed up, and they're going to get this kid the ball because he's the best player they have on their offense. I mean, on top of that, Tariq Cohen out there, he was explosive last year. He was able to make people miss. out. He's small, yes, but he's able to get out there. He had zero carries. He had zero carries. What were they doing? I don't know why that they, they felt the need to, 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 to get Mike Davis – in the game and get Mike Davis carries. I mean, it's beyond me. Like I said, keep these guys in your lineup. Listen, I started, I started Anthony Miller and David Montgomery in a league, um, in one of my dynasty leagues. And, uh, yeah, no, it was not a thrilling result. And when I'm watching the game, I just, in my own mind, I, I can't figure out what the bears are doing. It was a, it was a piss poor coach game by coach Nagy in the offensive side of the ball. You've got a defense like that. Get 14 points on the board. Get the guys on the field that can make plays. Anthony Miller had seven touchdowns last year. He was your only playmaker on the offensive side of the ball at the wide receiver position. You, you, you trade up to go get David Montgomery. You treat him like a crystal ball all preseason. It's week one, national television, the opening game of the season, and you don't play the kid. I mean, it, to me, it's just ridiculous. I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep over it yet because I really think that they're gonna watch the tape and this week's gonna be a lot different. On the other side of the ball, also you had Marquez Valdez Scantlin going out there and getting past dudes, running all over them, and then he had one of the best quarterbacks in the league 
Aaron Rodgers being able to get him the ball. That dude, I did like as a young dude out there making things happen. MVS, he's listen, he's a good second-year player. Um, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He's on a good offense where he can be productive if they, if they get him in there and get him the ball. I would say at this point he is clearly locked up the number two position in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And once again, you're seeing, a, you're seeing a trend that I've talked about over the last couple of weeks where wide receiver twos can be very, very valuable. Everybody wants the number one guy, but look at Devontae Adams in this game. What did the Bears clearly say? You're not going to run Aaron Jones, and we're not going to get beat by Devontae Adams. So who did that leave open? It left Marquez Valdez-Scantling open a lot, and he was productive in that, in that role. So you got to look at some of these wide receiver two situations where if you're with a superstar on the other side of the ball that is always going to have double coverage, you are always going to be open. And I think that going forward, you know, you saw Jimmy Graham and you saw Marquez Valdez-Scantling because – they're double, triple teaming Devontae Adams at times. And so I even think going forward, you're going to see more catches from Aaron Jones out of the backfield. Um, certainly more rushing attempts. That was another one that baffled me. I don't know why they didn't run the ball with him. But, um, yeah, definitely going forward. Like I said, it was, I wouldn't say it's panic time with any of these guys. Um, let's, let's, let's let it unfold a couple more weeks. Talent prevails. It always does. Always and, does. And, and these guys will be on the field. True. True. Speaking of MVS, he's usually available in most leagues on the wire. He's only 66% owned on Yahoo, so he's probably out there available. Let's get into the wire. The guys that you can pick up off the waiver wire. We all had, a, had some people had rough, rough, rough weeks. Ugh. Yes, they Some did. people had rough weeks. It was important to see who's available for you to pick up and be able to use in this week and going forward, especially for you Dynasty format people to be able to use down the road. MVS is a good wire candidate. Another one that I know a lot of people are going to rush out and pick up is John Ross. John Ross had an insane game. Andy Dalton threw for over 400 yards, and a lot of them went to John Ross. Shocker. We trashed John Ross recently, and I'm still going to tell you that I don't love him. But in this situation and what was going on, John Ross is worth a waiver wire pickup just so you have him to see what happens, especially if you really need a wide receiver. John Ross is someone I would look at if I were you. Well, listen, like you said, we've, we've, we've been down on John Ross, trashed him, trashed him on this show, um, and I'm not, I'm not going the other way on that. The one thing that I did see from John Ross to me that I've got to give him a little bit of props about, well, playmaking ability, he did make a couple plays, but – you can't argue with 12 targets. And we talked about A.J. Green being out. Um, they certainly threw John Ross the ball a lot. 12 targets is a lot of targets. If he's going to see that kind of volume going forward, you're not going to get seven for 158 and two touchdowns every week. But if he's seeing 12 targets, he's a valuable guy. you got to go to the waiver wire. Listen, the kids always had the talent. I know, like we said, we've dogged him a little bit on this show. We're going to dog somebody that has world-class talent and doesn't perform. That's just how it goes. You want to be not dogged on podcasts and stuff like this, then start going out and making two touchdown weeks and start making plays and start living up to a first round draft pick potential. Um, And maybe he's doing that. We'll have to see how it goes going forward. I mean, he had a great first week. Certainly he's going to be one of the most top added guys, you know, between him and Hollywood Brown are going to be probably the two most top added uh, waiver wire guys this week. Temper expectations. You know, if he comes out next week and has four for 78, no touchdowns, you know, you know, reel it back in a little bit, but 
yeah, get him on your team. Go to the waiver wire. You could do a lot worse than John Ross right now. It's going to be a mad dash at the waiver wire this week. It's the first week. Um, and so, like I said, go out there. If he's available, go out there and get him on your team. Hollywood is also going to be available on most waiver wires. So is Miles Boykin. Pick them up because of that high-powered offense that they're looking to have out there in Baltimore. Two more guys that are available in most leagues. I mean, this guy's only 6% owned. Paris Campbell for the Indianapolis Colts. He is going with Devin Funch is going down with a collarbone injury. Him and Deion Kane are going to be guys that are going to be available in most waiver wires and they're going to be able to have big impacts in most in, in a lot of games. Deion Kane says zero percent owned. Nobody Deion has. Kane is a zero. I've been on Deion Kane for about a year and a half. Um, the kid came in as a rookie last year out of Clemson. Clemson's had a track record of, of sending the NFL good wide receivers. I mean, you can go back a long ways. Clemson guys have proven to be good NFL players. Deion Kane was right in that fold. He comes in. Uh, he was drafted by the Colts. He comes in last year in a training camp, um, kind of lighting the world on fire. And uh, tears his ACL, sits out all year, comes back in this year in the preseason, um, had a great preseason. He's a big kid. He's 6'2 and a half, 205 pounds, athletic. Um, he comes back in this preseason and uh, plays great, makes the team, probably a wide receiver four or five guy at this point. But then all of a sudden, Devin Funch just goes down for the year. And so Paris Campbell is a guy that we really like as well. He's going to probably man the slot more. Deion Kane is going to probably start next week as the wide receiver two in Indianapolis. And there's people out there going, well, maybe the wide receiver two in Indy. Here's the thing. If you're on the field and you're getting targets, you have a chance to be productive. And that's what people got to remember when we talk about guys like this, like a Deion Kane. Yes, he's probably off of everybody's radar. Kevin said 0% own. I will guarantee you by the time we do this podcast next week, Deion Kane will not be 0% owned anymore. Right. Um, go out and get this kid. Stash him on your bench. If he gets in, and here we go again, wide receiver two, T.Y. Hilton's now getting all the focus in Indianapolis. With Devin Funches out, teams are going to focus on T.Y. Hilton. They're going to double cover him. And so start looking at these guys like Campbell. Look at a guy like Deion Kane, another young, talented guy. Um, they're going to be the guys that are left with single coverage. They're going to be the guys that are going to be getting open, and they are the guys that Jacoby Brissett is going to be passing the ball to. And so I think Deion Kane's a really good pickup this week as far as a, in a stash role. Pick him up this week. See how the Colts use him this weekend. Maybe you got something. Another good pickup is Preston Williams. Preston Williams, a wide receiver from Miami. Yeah, Miami's terrible, and that's, that's known, but they're, they're going to be throwing terrible. the ball a lot. They're going to have to get something done. So Preston Williams, I mean, he had a touchdown this past weekend. He did, and he's an undrafted free agent. Mm -hmm. He comes in, he makes the team. Um, nothing but good things about him. He's another big athletic kid, 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, the thing you got to look at is, listen, Miami's offense sucks. Yep. We'll just leave it at that. Terrible. Um, but the thing that, that that is going to be true all season is they are going to be playing from behind a lot. All and day. so throw the running game in Miami out the window. I wouldn't roster anybody on that, on that running back situation. But if you're playing from behind all the time, you're going to pass a lot. And that's where I look at Preston Williams is he's going to be on the field a lot. He's, gonna, he's, he's one of the only playmakers they have in the wide receiving core. Devontae Parker's been a bust in my eyes at this point. Albert Wilson's hurt. He's coming back from that calf Albert injury. Albert Wilson's hurt. So go pick this kid up. You know, he can help you out. You know, even if he catches five and 65 and maybe gets in a, a touchdown here or there, 
if you can pick a guy up, put him in your flex position, especially a young guy, this is a kid that I'm, I'm playing this year and I'm looking at next year because he could be their wide receiver one next year. Another great dude, another great wide receiver that I'm really excited about is A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown on the Titans. Marcus Mariota has not done much to impress anyone, but A.J. Brown did have 100 yards in his Titans debut out there yet um, on, sun, on sat, Sunday. He was able to get open and get spots. He was a second-round rookie that was taken by them. There's a lot of potential for A.J. Brown. He's available in most leagues, and especially if you need wide receiver helps, he's going to be someone that's going to be able to get open, especially with Derrick Henry being able to stretch the field for them. A.J. Brown is someone that we're looking at. you got to look at A.J. Brown. Once again, we, we keep talking about this. Wide receiver two, Corey Davis getting all the double coverage. You didn't hear Corey Davis's name a lot in this game. Um, he had an okay game. Um, but A.J. Brown, you know, sometimes I, I, we were talking about this before the podcast. Sometimes people just look the part. And when you look at A.J. Brown, he's a big, athletic, thick kid. And it looked that way on the field. He was pushing guys around, getting extra yards on plays. Um, he showed some elusiveness, being able to break some tackles. I like A.J. Brown a lot. I think this is. I think that by this time next year, A.J. Brown's the number one wide receiver in Tennessee, and Corey mm-hmm. Davis is the number two wide receiver in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I could be wrong on that, but at this point, that's the way I see it going. Um, Corey Davis, maybe he just needed somebody to help him a little bit. Maybe if he has A.J. Brown to kind of help take some of that heat off of him, maybe he starts to become more productive. But, no, listen, if you can go out, especially in a dynasty format where you own these guys forever, go get A.J. Brown, put him on your team. You can, you can, even if you don't play him a lot this year, he's a great stash going forward in the next year. Another great stash that's breaking tackles. A.J. Brown was great, but great stash running back-wise, Ronald Jones the second. Ronald Jones only owned 29% of the leagues on Yahoo. Ronald Jones, was he, he did not do anything to impress last year. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he did. I was not high on him. I've not been high on that running back situation in Tampa Bay for a long time. But Jameis did not look great. We needed him to have a good – he needs to have a good year. It's a contract year for, for Jameis. It's a make-or-break year for him. And he didn't look great. But Ronald Jones had great flashes. He was able to get open and get out there when he was running. He also outcarried Peyton Barber by five, five carries or so. He had 75 yards rushing. It was a good day for Ronald Jones and for Tampa Bay fans. That's someone you should be, be looking for in the future. With those wide receivers they have out there with Evans and Godwin, you'll be able to have Ronald Jones to get out there and get open in, in, the, in the flat as well as be able to rush and carry the ball. He is someone that's available in most leagues as a waiver wire guy. That if you have the opportunity to go get him and you need some running back depth, that's who someone you want to be looking at. Ronald Jones looked good. I'm still in a wait and see mode with Ronald Jones. I'm not. I mean, I'm not rushing out. If you can get him, you can do worse than Ronald Jones. He's a guy worth stashing. Right, it's a waiver wire pick. So it is a waiver wire pickup, but. I got to see more out of that offense as a whole. I mean, they look terrible this week. Jameis looked like he can't quit turning the ball over. Mike Evans had a horrible game. Um, Godwin was the only guy on that offense, really, to me, that that really looked like much of anything. Ronald Jones has had opportunities before and has not produced. Um, He couldn't beat Peyton Barber out in the preseason to win this job. So I think he's somebody that if you need a flex player – Definitely you could go out and get Ronald Jones, see how it goes the next couple of weeks. He could help you out in the flex position. 
Um, if you're in a position where you're picking a guy like Ronald Jones up to be your RB2, you're in trouble. Well, I'm already in trouble if I need him to be my RB2. I well, that's mean, why you, 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 if you're picking him up more than a flex player, I just I don't see it. Well, there's another another running back out there, Adrian Peterson. I've loved Adrian Peterson for forever. He was a healthy scratch this week, but once again, Darius guys got hurt. So this week, expect Adrian Peterson to be running, and in the immediate future, that dude is another running back that's available in most leagues. He's on the waiver wire. A lot of people went out and dropped him after he didn't get the start this week. Adrian Peterson's another guy that is available and able to go if you need a running. I think Adrian Peterson's running back too. I'm not trying to put him in my flex. I'm trying to play him. What about you? I, listen, you have to go pick Adrian Peterson up at this point. Um, anytime that you can pick up a guy that is the starting running back, um, especially undisputed starting running back, I mean, there's nobody there that's going to push Adrian Peterson for carries. Um, listen, AP revived himself last year. I mean, he came in, he looked great. Um, he ran the ball hard. He managed to play the whole season without getting hurt. And now you look at a situation where Geist goes down again, probably two to three weeks. Um, you go get AP, put him in your starting lineup. Um, there's still some tread on those tires. I think that, uh, you could do a lot worse than going and getting an Adrian Peterson. If you're in a situation where you need an RB two, or you need somebody that can play for you right now, that's the guy I'm looking to go get off the waiver wire and I'm going to hopefully get three or four good weeks out of him. If you're Darius Geis owner, you're, you're scrambling to go get him, uh, maybe even scrambling to trade for him. I don't know what your waiver wire looks like. Um, but at this point, Adrian Peterson has to be considered valuable at this point. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I want to transition, though. I want to talk about something a little bit different. That's, those guys that are available in the waiver wire, let's talk about guys that are on people's roster. Let's talk about our stock watch. Whose stock has gone up? Whose stock went down this week? I want to talk about my guy. I have Your him in guy. like every league you that do. I've ever had. Michael freaking Gallup. Boy, I'll tell you, and you just smile when he says it. You know, when one of Kevin's guys comes out of the woodwork. Oh, I just, love it. Man, I'll tell you. Man, so I, I picked up are, Michael Gallup. We're going to have to start calling you the guru before well, long. Listen, I took I'm Michael Gallup. roles here. I took him in a, in a dynasty league last year with like a last minute second round pick. Because I thought last year he was going to be the new Des Bryant. And then they went and got Amari Cooper, who's the new Des Bryant. And then Gallup did not have a great year last year. But I believed that he was going to be okay. I said it here that he was going to be okay. I truly thought he was going to be okay. And then lo and behold, He's okay. he was okay. He was okay. He was okay. Wow, look how smart you are. No, listen, you can't argue with what you saw on the field. Um, he's an impressive kid. Uh, he's athletic. He can make plays. Um, I think last year it was kind of tough on him because when you come in as a rookie and you're kind of forced into a wide receiver one situation when you're not ready, it's hard. It's hard to learn how to set up routes. It's hard to learn how to set up cornerbacks, you know, to, to create your routes. It's all stuff that you have to learn, the offense, the ins and outs, the checks. He wasn't overly productive last year, but you saw flashes where you saw the talent was there. Midseason, they go and trade for Amari Cooper. Now Amari Cooper is the number one wide receiver you bring back Jason Witten you still got Ezekiel Elliott once again wide receiver twos I keep talking about it all episode because it's important if you have a true number one on the other side that draws double coverage you can be a very productive guy on the other side of that guy and I think that's where people got to really look at some of these guys whether it's on the waiver wire or when you're looking in your drafts which I know we're past that but you're always wanting to look at who's opposite of a superstar because those are the guys that can get open a lot. 
you know, last year was a perfect example. Last year and the year before where Antonio Brown was the clear number one and Juju made a fortune being the number two. And I think that you have to look at guys like this, like a Michael Gallup, where Amari Cooper's the number one. Ezekiel Elliott is a dominating force on the offense. Michael Gallup's going to be over there by his lonesome one-on-one, trying to beat safeties, trying to beat the number two cornerback. Um, he's ex- he's at explosive And he's explosive. Speed. He can get in the air. He can make plays. No, I, I listen, his – He's a guy that you, if you if you have an open spot and he's available in your league, go get him right now. Yeah, Michael Gallup, his stock went way up. If you have him on your team, I would put him in. I'm putting him in everywhere. You got to start him. I'm starting him everywhere as my wide receiver too and my flex because Michael Gallup is going to be a guy that's going to get – he had seven targets and he has seven catches. As long – like you said, he's going to be facing safeties by himself, cornerbacks by himself because you have to double Amari on the other side. You got to be looking at him a little bit more which lets Michael Gallup get past dudes and get open. On top of that, they got Jason Witten back. They have Zeke coming back. There's just going to be opportunities for Michael Gallup. I'm going to read you this list real quick because I read it to you earlier, but I think the people will enjoy hearing this too. Going into week one, this, is, this was the top eight scoring, or excuse me, top eight scoring wide, or wide receivers from this week. Would anybody have thought this would be the top eight names we'd be reading? Sammy Watkins, Michael Gallup, John Ross, Deshaun Jackson, Hollywood Brown, DJ Chark, Terry McLaren, John Brown. That is your top list of scoring wide receivers this week. Was there a wide receiver one anywhere in there? No. No. And so you got to start looking at this a little bit where these guys can be productive playing opposite a superstar. So that's why we're preaching this a lot in this podcast. And that's why you got to go out and look at these guys and play them. That's why I have on my stock down list whose stock went down. Juju Smith Schuster. Here we go. Okay. Juju went out there and it may be a product of not having Antonio Brown out there. It may be a product of not having Le'Veon Bell out there. Remember the killer bees, man, they killed him because Ben Roethlisberger by himself Trying to do that against that Patriots offense, our Patriots defense was not great. Juju, invisible, invisible. Trust me, I had him in the league. He was invisible. I didn't know he was there. So Juju Smith-Schuster is someone that I think his stock went way down based on his situation. You're right. He's now the number one guy. So him being the number one guy, he, he needs to be able to beat guys and get open. But he wasn't able to do that. No, you're right. He did not have the type of game that I think people anticipated that he was going to have. Um, I wouldn't call it a terrible game. I think he still had double-digit fantasy points. It was pretty close. Um, listen, I've been a Steeler fan a long time. That is the worst football game I have ever watched a Pittsburgh Steeler team play. I mean, that was just absolutely horrific from top to bottom. Um, I'm not. We. I told you before the show that I'm no. I'm going to argue this uh, that Juju stock is going down. I don't believe that Juju stock is going down. They played the Patriots in New England week one and absolutely got punched in the mouth. Um, I wouldn't say if he would have had one catch for six yards, I'd be very concerned. But um, at this point, I'm not willing to say that Juju stock is down. I'm not willing to say anybody's stock on, on Pittsburgh's down. I'm willing to say that, they, well, they just played a terrible game. Right. I mean, it's like looking at the Bears and going, am I down on everybody on the Bears because they lost the Packers on I Thursday night? I am down on Mitchell Trubisky. Well, Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie didn't have a great game. But, no, I'm, I'm not down on Juju yet. It's definitely concerning. I mean, I want to see a bounce-back game this week, and I think that Pittsburgh will bounce back this week. Um, they, they got the Seattle, Bears? Seattle no, they at home. Bears, my bad. 
Um, Seattle, yeah. and, and so I think Juju has a bounce back game this week, but listen, certainly if this continues over the next couple of weeks where he's not being very productive, then we'll continue to sit here every week on the podcast and I'll start to eat crow a little bit. But right now I'm going to fight you tooth and nail because I don't, listen, I think it was just a shitty game. I think Juju stock is down. I, if I have him, I'm selling my well, Juju Kevin's stock. selling and I'm a buy-in. So, listen, so then I'm selling high. I'm well, you know. of course you are. That's just how, if you've ever tried to make a trade with this guy, that's how it works, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, another guy whose stock went way up, though, and I did trade this dude recently, unfortunately, but I'm okay with it. Royce Freeman, right? Royce Freeman. I thought that Philip Lindsay was going to be the number one guy there, and they pretty much split, split carries evenly. Listen, you have to, and I know people are probably like, well, Royce Freeman didn't score a touchdown. How would, why would you say his stock's up? The reason I would say his stock's up is because, like what Kevin alluded to, Royce Freeman was the clear number two guy last year. Philip Lindsay was the number one guy, and Philip Lindsay played well. So going into this offseason, you wouldn't anticipate that Royce Freeman was going to cut into to, to Lindsay's carries much. But as the preseason continued to play out, it seemed to become more of a of a, a dead split situation. And so even last night, I think that uh, Freeman outcarried him by one, I believe. Um, uh, the other way around. Uh, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay outcarried yeah. him by one. But the fact that it's even 50-50, that's a win for Royce Freeman. And if that 50-50 comes along with the goal line carries, listen, at some point we're going to sit here and say that, and we might be saying that today, that Royce Freeman is the better play than Philip Lindsay. Um, his stock definitely didn't go down. It just continues well, way to up, go way up. up. Yeah, way up. I mean, and, and I don't and, say that Philip Lindsay's stock went down either because he's going to still be out there in the passing situation. I wouldn't say that it's – yes, I would. His stock went down a little bit. I wouldn't say that he's irrelevant by any means, but his stock definitely went down. You can't go from being the clear number one guy to a clear 50-50 split. Okay. It's got to be down a little bit, but the, here's the not thing. Not too much, though. Like, I'm not selling. I look at both those guys. No, I wouldn't sell on either one of them. I like Philip Lindsay a lot. I'm buying Royce Freeman if I can. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, listen, if I get Philip Lindsay cheap from somebody, I'm buying still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because what I see in this situation is even at a 50-50 split, both guys can be moderately productive. Um, nobody got a rushing touchdown last night, but... Um, they both had okay yardage with the amount of carries that they saw. Um, going forward, who gets the goal line carries? That's going to be interesting to watch. Um, but Royce Freeman's stock went from standing on the sideline, you know, getting four or five carries a game when Philip Lindsay needs a breather to a clear split situation. And if that continues, and if he happens to outplay Lindsay, he could take that job away. True. Another stock down guy for me. And this one hurts my, my heart because as I just told you, I traded Royce Freeman. This weekend for this guy, Mike Williams, his stock is way down for me, and I'm regretting Let, that trade. On. Before before we go any further, let's 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 tell him the whole trade. Kevin traded Sammy Watkins. I don't want to talk about and that. Part. Royce Freeman <laughs> like, for Mike to... Williams, and I don't think he's feeling very good about it right now. I don't want to talk about that part. Well, I do, Kevin. You know, okay. we gotta let him know. We gotta be so honest. So I made with that the trade. I made that trade, and for me, Mike Williams' stock is way down. The reason it is because he only had three targets. The whole game. He got hurt towards the end of the game um, in the second half, but he only had three targets throughout the game. He did have two receptions, but it, I, I, this guy used to be a, oh, the touchdown machine last year. He was. He had 10 touchdowns on 43 receptions last year. Um, listen, when it comes to Mike Williams, um, he was one of my favorite guys in the offseason. We talked about him a little bit here and there, but honestly, I didn't talk about him much because I was trying to trade for him. Um, Kevin pulls the trade off and gets him. Um, listen, if you look at both sides of it, you know, Watkins had a great first week. Williams didn't. But when it comes to Mike Williams, 
I think that you're, he's down, but I'm not giving up on Mike Williams. There's too much talent there. It's too early in the season. That's the thing after week one. You know, we sit here and we talk about all these guys and, and the stock up and stock down. But keep in mind, too, it's the first week of the season. Like, there's going to be guys, you know, I would be willing to sit here and tell you right now that I don't believe that Andy Dalton will lead the quarterbacks in fantasy points at any other week in this season. But he did week one. And so... I'm down on Mike Williams a little bit. Of course, you'd like to see him come out, maybe have like a you know seven catch, ninety yards, and a touchdown performance, make you feel a little bit better about yourself. But let's look at the injury. Let's see how long that's going to keep him down. But um, his stock is down, but he's still not a guy that that I'm down on personally. I I'm waiting. You know, if he has a couple more bad weeks and somebody's willing to sell him really cheap, I I still go pick him up. You know, remember it's dynasty. So you have him forever. Well, see, there's a thing is that I'm a little bit more volatile than you and my stock buying and selling. I take more risk. And that's the reason why I'm selling Mike Williams. If I can, because of this reason, Three well, we'll targets. talk after the podcast. If sure, you're looking definitely. to move him, I, we I, can, see I, we can, I do. can find a home. But for let him. me tell you what, three targets. <clears throat> he had three targets the whole game. Austin Eckler was, was targeted Indeed. a lot more. Obviously, Keenan Allen, obviously. But then in the second half, when they came back, when the Chargers came back on the field, Hunter Henry became the focal point of the offense where Phillip Rivers was throwing the ball. Nowhere was it Mike Williams. When Mike Williams did have his, his second catch, he got hurt. I watched that play. I was watching the game. That's when he got hurt, and that's when I was like, what is going on? They're not throwing to this guy at all. Targets, as we talked about earlier, targets are a major point of figuring out who's going to be the guy and who's not going to be the guy. And if they're not throwing him the ball, what am I supposed to be doing with this guy? Well, I think, it's, listen, it's a wait-and-see situation. I mean, um, Austin Eckler had a great game. Keenan Allen had a good game. Hunter Henry had some catches. Here's the thing I see going forward. We're going to talk about this guy in a little bit. Um, but as far as the running back situation in, in San Diego, Eckler had a great game. Temper your expectations there. You're not going to get that every week. Defenses are not stupid in the NFL. They're going to start keying on Keenan Allen even more than they are. They're going to start keying on the running game because it's hurting hurting them. And I do think that Mike Williams will start to see his targets. It just may take a couple weeks. Well, let's might as well talk about this other stock down guy we have on the list, Melvin Gordon. Right. Oh boy. Because Austin Eckler had a great had a great day as we're talking about. So did Justin Jackson coming in in relief. And helping them out. So you don't think that the Chargers are sitting here this morning thinking they got to hurry a contract up? Not Melvin even Gordon? a little bit. <laughs> so Melvin Gordon, even though he's not, he's owned in a lot of leagues, but he he wasn't expected to come back to Week Six anyway. Um, to make sure he gets that full season, his stock is way down too, way down. Right? If I have Melvin Gordon stock, I'm trying to sell sell him. If I have him in Dynasty, though, I'm trying to buy sure. because try to buy on the cheap because he's going to be someone that you can use next year when he's on in. Maybe in Philadelphia, maybe in in Houston. Washington, in Houston. He'll be somewhere else. That kid's not going to be on the Chargers come next year because Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, they're fine. The rest of the weapons they have going on around them and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry, even though Mike Williams' stock goes down, he's a guy that's out there. Those are other guys that are going to be there. So Melvin Gordon, if you can buy him for the cheap, don't expect nothing this year. But if you could buy him for the cheap, I will say this on buying Melvin Gordon. Wait a couple more weeks. You think? You think? Yeah, because I think that this week, you know, people people see what they saw out of Eckler and them this week. 
But if you give it a couple more weeks going forward where the guys that drafted Melvin Gordon, put him on their team, and they have him sitting there and they're saying, okay, hopefully this week he plays, hopefully this week he plays, give him two or three weeks, and they're really going to be down on Melvin Gordon when he's still not there. By week three, week four, week five, the price might be really cheap because guys are going to get desperate. If you can give them somebody that they can play as compared to somebody that's just eating up a roster spot on their bench, Trust me, that's that's going to be the time to buy. But I'm going to wait on in redraft leagues. I'll wait for that. In dynasty leagues, I will take advantage of the panic. I will take advantage of the panic, and I'll be trying to take. I mean, that's what last week. I wish we could have did a pod last week. That the the line for Antonio Brown was back and forth because one week, one day, homeboy's about to be suspended. I I was out there trying heavily to buy when he was going to get suspended. Then the next week, he made a tearful apology. All of those, those trade offers were dead in the water because he made a tearful apology. He then makes the video. Then he all of a sudden wants to be released. Once again, I was, able to, I was trying to offer crap at that point because I didn't know where he was going to land. Then once he got released, it, it dried up because people were in a hold and wait and see type situation. Once he goes to the Patriots, all of those conversations were just canceled. Uh, people left conversations because once he got traded to the Patriots, it was or got picked up by the Patriots, it was over. So if you can get Melvin Gordon now, if you can get him, maybe pay Absolutely. a little bit. Absolutely, pay a little Don't bit. Don't be afraid him. to pay for Melvin Gordon because you got to remember in a dynasty format, which is what we focus on, Melvin Gordon will be back next year. Yeah. Okay, this is not career ending, and he's not old. So if you can buy Melvin Gordon on the somewhat cheap, go ahead and get him because you're going to be happy. Listen, me and Kevin play in a dynasty league together. Um, I own Antonio Brown in that league. Now, he's been kryptonite all offseason, okay? But I promise you right now, if he plays good for a week or two in New England, this is the point where I'm going to sell. I'm going to get rid of Antonio Brown because I want to build up just enough confidence in people that think that he's the next Randy Moss in New England. Little equity. He's 31 years old. I'm moving him down the road. Give me something profitable for him now. Guys like Melvin Gordon, I'm buying on. A guy like Kareem Hunt, I traded for him this offseason in the league that me and Kevin are in. Um, I'm I'm, I'm strictly for next year. I'm expecting nothing. And I think that's how you look at Melvin Gordon right now. If you're buying on Melvin Gordon right now, you're, you're, don't expect anything. He's this not year. playing this year. Don't expect much this year. And he might, you know, exactly. He could come back week 10, get a nice hamstring injury and really sit out the whole season, you know, buy him for next year. That's, I think that's kind of the point we're making with Melvin Gordon. Whereas Antonio Brown, I'm looking for the, any point where I think the value is high enough. I can sell him for something. True. True. Another, another guy, two guys who had their stock go way up in my eyes, Darren Waller of the Raiders tight end. Tyrell Williams of the Raiders are wide receiver. They're now number one wide receiver, as we were just talking about with Antonio Brown being hitting the bricks and leaving Oakland slash Las Vegas. Tyrell Williams is the new number one guy, and boy, did they show out yesterday. Yeah, Tyrell Williams had, I think, five for 108 and a touchdown. Um, me and Kevin disagree a little bit on, on Tyrell Williams. We both love Darren Waller. If Darren Waller's on your waiver wire, go get him. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't play the tight end as a position, Go get him. He is going to be a red zone weapon for them. If you have He's him on your seven team, or eight play targets, him. play him. We differ a little bit on Tyrell Williams. And the reason that I differ a little bit from Kevin, Kevin's very high on Tyrell Williams right now. NFL defenses adjust. There's nobody better at looking at tape, 
they break you down, they see what you do well, and then they stop it. And if you're looking at what the Raiders did well yesterday and you're a defensive coordinator, what are you looking to stop? Well, I'm not going to let this Tyrell Williams kid go buckshot on us every week, so he's going to start seeing double coverage. And they're going to start stacking the box on Josh Jacobs because he looks so well. And so look at guys like Waller and Renfro going forward as guys that are going to start to see more targets because I'm not convinced that Tyrell Williams can make plays against double coverage. Kevin seems to differ a little bit for me on that. I, I got to see it. He's never been a guy to me that has been a number one guy. And he's got a – it's just like Juju Smith-Schuster. Everybody's sitting here looking at Juju right now like, can you be a number one? Well, when you're number one, you see double coverage, and that's the same thing Tyrell Williams is going to see in the following couple weeks. They're going to start finding ways to not let him get open. I like Waller myself. I'm not as high on Tyrell Williams. Kevin likes him a lot, um, but I like Darren Waller in that situation. Let me tell you why I like Tyrell Williams, though. My stock is real up on Tyrell Williams for this reason. When I was watching the game yesterday, the way that Derek Carr was able to make pinpoint passes and – Williams was able just to out-jump guys and put his hands up there and get the ball and out-run guys. It was amazing. Big Fangio is the coach of the Denver Broncos. They're a defensive-minded team. He's a defensive coach, yet Tyrell Williams was able to shish-kebab them, and that's what I'm looking for, what I'm looking for a wide receiver too. Someone that can go out there, run over everybody, run past everybody, put his hands up. He, I mean, it's a little, little – it's a little early to say something like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I like I watched DeAndre Hopkins in the game right Ooh. before, and I was watching Tyrell Williams. And I was like, this dude has a little DeAndre Hopkins in him. Oh, Kevin, are you comparing Tyrell Williams to DeAndre yeah, Hopkins? Yeah, a little. Just a little wow. bit. Just a little bit. Because the way he was able but to. But you're ready to throw Juju Smith-Schuster in the dumpster. Out the trash. Unbelievable. Take him, take him Listen home. Listen to this guy. Take him home. You see yeah, what I'm I have done. to deal with every week? This is, oh, my goodness. Well, the reason I said that is because, like I said, watching him be able to get open and get out there. And the, the passes that Derek Carr was able to do, and I'm not saying Derek Carr's sitting here is Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees or nothing, but the way he was able to thread the needle, if you will, against a team that was predicated I'll bet on you Tyrell Williams doesn't get 80 receiving yards in week two. Mm, 20 bucks? Yeah. All right. Over, under on 80. 80's a wash. Yeah, okay. Over 80, I owe you 20. Okay. Under 80, you owe because me 20. Because he was able to get that done. That's why I'm high on Tyra Williams. Dar- Darren Waller, like we said, last year, Jared Cook was able to do monster things. He was able to do monster things, and now he's in um, New Orleans. Darren Waller's the next man up, and he's a young guy. He's going to be able – Derek Carr showed that he likes to throw to his tight ends. He was he out he out targeted I believe any other wide receiver out there in Oakland yesterday. So Darren Waller, we're definitely both very high on. If he's available, pick him up. If you have him, I'm starting him because outside of outside of Kittle, Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller to me is the next guy in terms of tight ends. Him and T.J. Hawkinson, who we also have on here, his stock is up. T.J. Hawkinson's stock is up. We're gonna get Way into him up. right now, but those kind of guys. Those are the tight ends that you're looking for. Listen, Darren Waller, if if you didn't watch Hard Knocks, and I know you can't listen, you can't believe everything you see on Hard Knocks. I remember one year I drafted. I had the number one pick in our Dynasty League draft, and I drafted Giovanni Bernard over Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell had the Liz Frank foot injury, and I was terrified of that. And then I watched Hard Knocks with the Bengals, and Giovanni Bernard looked like a <laughs> superstar. So I ended HBO up taking man, him number one. Game. And so I'm not saying you got to follow everything you see on Hard Knocks. But 
you can't argue with he is a, a big, super freakishly athletic kid. Everybody on Hard Knocks said that this was the kid that was balling out the most in camp. He played great in the preseason when they played him. He comes out week one, and he shows that ability to high point of football. He's fast for a tight end. I mean, he used to be a wide receiver. He came out of Georgia Tech as a wide receiver um, with the Ravens and then trans- and transferred into the tight end role. He's only been a tight end for a couple of years, but he is a freakishly athletic kind of kid. And so down in the red zone, I, I really think he's a weapon. On, on the receiving core of Oakland, that's the guy I'm wanting to own right now. True, true. Tight ends is something that we definitely like. Another great, huge tight end, TJ Hawkinson, stock way up through the roof. While, while watching the, the Lions work, TJ Hawkinson was a guy that Matt Stafford seemed to love. He was able to get open out of, out of what, Iowa? Out of Iowa, yeah. Him and, and Noah Font both went to Iowa, both rookies. Um, Hawkinson, man, he looked great. And like you said, Matt Stafford was looking his way a lot. I look at, at the Lions uh, receiving core with Galladay and some of the other guys that they Marvin have. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. Um, the problem that they've had in the past is they spent a top 10 pick on a, on a tight end and it never worked out in Ebron. And so now I think people were reluctant to give Hawkinson his credit because, eh, draft a tight end that high, you know, in the top 10. Is he going to pan out? The answer is yes. Yeah. Um, the answer is yes. He's a yes. big kid. They don't call him Gronk Jr. or Mini Gronk for no reason. I mean, he is a big athletic kid with big hands. He catches the football. That's what Matt Stafford's loving about him. Quarterbacks love one thing. If I throw you the ball, catch it. And the guys that do that, they continue to throw the ball to. And so going forward with TJ Hawkinson, if he is on your waiver wire, you go get him right now. If he's on your bench, you put him in your lineup. He's a guy going forward that um, you are definitely, definitely playing every week. Um, it's, we were talking before the podcast, I told Kevin, I said, I'm waiting for my phone to ring because in the one league that we're in, I have Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson and Darren Waller. So I'm hoping somebody's going to be calling. Somebody's going to be making a call. I mean, listen, we don't talk about a lot of stats here, but he had, he was six for nine on targets, TJ, a tight end, tight six end. for nine on t- targets, 131 receiving yards and a touchdown and a touchdown. Yep. As a tight end. And that's what I mean. We're getting to a point with some of these guys at the tight end position where it's not just about playing them in a league if you play the tight end as a position. Me and Kevin play in a, in a, in a league where um, they don't play the tight end as a position. They play it as a – you can play the wide receiver or the tight end as a wide receiver. And so even some of these guys in situations like that, if Hawkinson and Andrews and Waller, if these guys are putting up numbers, play them. Get them in your lineup. The one thing that we can say about all three of these guys is their targets are not going down. They're probably only going to go up. So get these guys on your team. Get them in your lineup, especially in a dynasty format. You have Hawkinson forever. You have Waller forever. You have Andrews forever. Get them on your team. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson is a dude. Stock went way up, way up through the roof. If he's available, he's available in like half of Yahoo leagues. Go get him if you can. Pick him up off the waivers. If you have him, you're starting him. Unless you have a guy like. Kittle over him, you're starting him. Last guy whose stock went way down, Darius Geis. Darius Geis, oh boy. Where do we man, start? Man, um, Geis, Geis, baby, you know? It's bad. He's, he's about as fragile as ice right now from mm-hmm. the way it looks. Um, I just traded for him last week. Um, I was in a league where I, I needed an, uh, a third running back. I had um, 
I have Nick Chubb. I had Montgomery, and I traded for Geis because I, I, I got stuck where I didn't couldn't get another running back. And, no, it doesn't look very good. But, mm-hmm. you know, here, once again, I, I, and especially when you're talking about young players, Darius Geis is 21 years old, I believe, um, 22 at the oldest. Even though he's been injured a couple times, this is another point where in dynasty formats, like we talk about, which is what we, what our focus of this podcast is. If I own Darius Geis right now, I'm sick. If I don't own Darius Geis right now, and I need a running back down the road, um, and I can get him cheap, I'm absolutely trading for Darius Geis and stashing him. If you if you didn't do it this off season, I know a lot of guys uh, were trying to get Geis in the one league that we're in, a keeper league, um, and the kid didn't trade him, but. If if you have Darius Geis, um, you're like I said, you're not feeling real good about his how how his ability to stay healthy. But if you don't have Darius Geis, he might be a guy to go try and get cheap and stash. I mean, running backs are hard to come by. He's still very very young. Um, it's it doesn't sound like an overly serious injury. It sounds like it's going to be a couple weeks. Um, so yeah, if you can get him on the cheap right now, go get him. Yeah, yeah, Darius Geis. I I was really high on Darius Geis myself, and then. When he was running, he didn't look great. And then come to find out he had that meniscus injury, and which is why Adrian Peterson will be getting that, that start if you could find him off the waiver wire again. But his stock just went down because he's looking injury prone. He's looking like Mr. Glass out here because with the ACL injury and now this meniscus and the other knee, it's not, it's not a good look for Darius Geis. But if you can stash him, it's, with running backs, it's like a wait and see if they're young, if they're like first, second, third-year players. If you can get them and stash them, so wait and see. If you could sell them and sell high, do it. So his stock went way down in terms of guys that we're really looking at. But if I can get them and like hold on to them, get them for the cheap. I have to get them on the cheap, though. That's, that's the key. Getting them on the cheap is the key. So if you could do that, do it. If not, if you could sell them for high, do it. I mean, that's what you're looking to do. Try to make them maximize your profits, you know. Two guys stock that I'm holding if I have their stock. Sammy Watkins and Todd Gurley. If I have stock in those two guys, I'm holding. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna wait and see. Todd Gurley, you might be able to sell soon. You need like one more good week from him because I mean he's getting he's getting vulture carried. Yeah, uh, listen, it makes you sick to your stomach when you see Mac Brown score two touchdowns. Um, Todd Gurley, I, I think he played just good enough to where we're not. The people that liked him still like him, and the people that thought he was there's a real problem with the knee, I think probably still think there's a real mm-hmm. problem with the knee. I don't think the needle moved at all on Gurley. Gonna have to wait and see a couple of weeks. Apparently, you know, all the stuff I'm reading is they're trying to temper his carries, you know, the first six weeks of the season to make him more effective down the stretch. I will say this when Todd Gurley got the ball in his hands, looked he great. looked like Todd Gurley. He looked great. I mean, he had almost 100 yards rushing on, I think, 14 carries. Um, so it's not like he's not giving you anything. I mean, I started Todd Gurley in our league, and he got me nine points. I mean, the thing that I'm a little bit concerned with is how long are they going to temper this? And mm-hmm. what really concerns me is give him the touchdown carries. I mean, that just blew my mind. You know, get him the ball and let him get in the end zone. You give Mac Brown two touchdowns. I mean, you know, Dontrell Hood, Vulture a touchdown from Nick Chubb. I mean, I, I got vultured a lot in the, in the first quarter of fantasy football this week, but I'm still holding tight on Todd Gurley. Sammy Watkins, um, 
I think we're in hold mode too. I got to see, you know, they're going to focus. Defenses are going to focus on him next week. He's going to see the double coverage. We talked about that earlier. That's why we like Hardman. Um, let's see what Sammy can do. Maybe he'll prove us all wrong. I mean, one thing's for sure. He's got the best quarterback on the planet earth throwing him the football. So he's got speed. If he can get by people and make catches, he can still be effective. But are we going to see this kind of performance out of Sammy Watkins every, every week? No. If I have, if I own Sammy Watkins and he puts up one more week like that, I am trading high. I am trading high because Tyreek Hill is going to come back. Mm-hmm. Hardman's going to get some work now that he's going to get uh, now that Tyreek's sitting out for a few weeks. So, if Sammy Watkins had another big game next week, he is a guy I am absolutely trading away and trying to get a young running back or something like that for. Um, I sell, sell high, sell high, high, high. Kevin, you missed the boat on that one by yeah, just a sold, little bit. Sold him for a little, little less than I expected. <laughs> I should have sold him a little higher. With all that being said, we talked about a lot of guys today, Jay. There's a couple guys that really stood out to me. There's a couple guys that really let me down you as well. It's time to wrap it up. I want to give a shout-out to my guy, Josh Rosen. Your boy, Josh, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen got in the game in Miami. He's going to end up playing a lot because – the Miami Dolphins are not very good. So Josh Rosen is going to get a lot of opportunities, I think, and I'm really excited. Would you like to know my man's stat line? Let's hear what Josh Rosen did. Okay, week he, one, Josh Rosen. Week one, Josh Rosen came in. He was one for three. Beautiful. He had five passing yards, one interception. Wow. Yeah, that's what he did out there. So he, he put a negative up on the stat sheet for he you. He did. If you he look did. at fantasy points, it was yeah. a negative one. Your boy Daniel Jones got a few snaps this week, too. I did, too, but I, I, we're not talking about Daniel Jones because he's right, really right. the future. We're talking here to talk about, You're talking about your man, Josh, Josh Rosen, Rosen Focus Podcast. The greatest player in the history of UCLA football. Um. <laughs> anyway, Josh Rosen yeah. is my guy, and I'm excited about him. Next week, he may get the start. He might get to start next week. And then we will let you know how Josh Rosen did. Wow. Who do you have as your guy you want to give a good look to, a shout-out to, Jay? Shout-out. Well, anybody that played football at IU because there's, you know, we, we got to give a shout-out to Indiana Hoosier football. We did Simi Cobb before. There's guys like Anthony Thomas. You know, back in the day, we got a little Vaughn Dunbar action from IU. Um, we also want to give a shout-out to Brisbane, Australia, our yeah. people down under. We have someone listening, that listen out there. We this got somebody cool. down under listening. This we appreciate cool. it. Yes. We'll give a shout-out if you want to – you know, if he wants to send us any, uh, you know, Australian rules football tips, you know, that might help us out. Maybe we'll we trade info. We'll trade info, you know, but shout out to Brisbane. But um, no, it was a great first week of football. I think everybody's, you know, got their juices flowing. They're having yeah. fun. It's overreaction Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It always is after the first week of the season. So I'm um, listening. I, I won one fantasy football game this week and it was a, uh, individual defensive player only league mm-hmm. which i had never done before so that was my lone victory of the week um you know it's it was a rough week if you had you know cleveland browns players it was a rough week uh you know like i said the young guys for the bears they didn't really play much but uh keep your head up it's a long season you know we're not you can't you can't uh win the title or you can't what, what's the saying i'm looking for you, you, can't you can't lose it in week one. You right. can't win it in week one. Right. So you just keep trucking forward, keep hitting the waiver wire, keep listening to us, and we'll steer you in the right direction. So with that, week one is in the book. We look forward to week two. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Later.